Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconeer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out, when a vast image out of spiritus wundi troubles my sight somewhere in the sands of the desert. A shape with lion body and the head of a man. A gaze blank and pitiless as the sun is moving its slow thighs while all about it. Real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Hi, welcome to Fear the Walking Dead cast. Uh, I'm Scott McGregor, one of your... This is the show we're doing tonight, right? Yeah, Fear the Walking Dead cast. Yep. We're covering season three, episode six. I didn't know that. I'm just playing. Uh, the episode's called Red Dirt. I'm Scott. Hi. And I'm joined by my, my usual cohorts here. Mikey Z, zombie killer extreme, Mike Zemo. Mike Zemo? Mike Zumo? Or is Mike Zemo? Yeah, whatever Baron you want Mike to Zemo. You're in the good mood, I'm not going to dampen it. Leave my <laughs> it's Helmet Zemo! Baron Helmet Zemo! Nothing but positivity tonight. I do, uh, I do, I do believe that on the Captain America show last year, I introduced myself as Baron Zumo. Baron Zumo. <laughs> that, that would be appropriate. Yep, probably did. Probably did. Uh, and Beth Hughes and Brian Hughes, of course. So, hi, folks, who just Hola. recorded last night for Preacher Stuff, which will be coming out before you get to hear me tell you it's coming out. So, I don't know why I'm bothering. <coughs> ah. <clears throat> Laughs in the background. Or, uh, Georgina Glass. <laughs> Long story. So let's uh, jump right into this. We we are covering. Uh, we be we are organizing a huge, huge as Billy Fusillo would say. That's it. Oh God, come on! I escaped him when I moved out of upstate. <laughs> yeah, I thought I escaped him. I, I moved 120 miles away from where a lot of his cars are, but I'm still seeing them everywhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, localized joke, Texas. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we're going to have a huge uh, finale, mid-season finale show for you covering 7 and 8 So we're going to do 6 tonight with our, our regular crew And we should have, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, both Professor Alan Middleton and Serotonin back next week So that would be awesome That would be the entire band back together Not just that lame like touring band that has like the original drummer and then session musicians it's far too much of that going on these days. Yeah, like the Commitments uh, touring band. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, see, that I'd respect, because at least it was a fictional band from a movie. But when you're, like, putting, uh, you know, I don't know, Journey out there, what is it, the, the keyboardist and the original drummer at this point? Or, and then some guy that sounds a lot like Steve Perry. Um, so we're not going to have Dave Pasquarella on? Oh, I don't know. You know, I didn't even think of kicking that today, but we, we should, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. He, why not? Because, you know... <laughs> He doesn't watch, but he listens. So, yeah, he can sit here like last time and 
and just nod in agreement with us and like, yeah, it sounds like that was really cool. He should, we should, <laughs> he should, act, he should act like you watched it. No, sure. but you know, it would be great to get his reactions just to of, the of things the, that do happen. Just of the I mean, description, it yeah. As it happens. As I mean, it's we, read. Yeah. And we can't even talk about it because it would be a spoiler. I know, yeah. So well, this is, you know... Lots of stuff happened, and we're oh all my, aware. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we need to cut our brains off at, at this episode. Because this was uh, lofty enough. At, uh, well, apparently at 11 pages of recap, so we might better get into it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to worry about cutting my brain off. That's 24-point font, though, so it's it's maybe about 6.5 actual pages, but nonetheless. We open at shooting practice with Nick and Jeremiah. And Nick is worrying about uh, Mom, of course, as, as all us good sons would do. Alicia's in bed with Jake and is also worrying about Mom, as all good post-coital uh, daughters would do. Jake uh, tried to assure her that Maddie is safe with Troy, and Nick notices the Lost Patrol staggering toward the, cram- the camp, and everyone runs to meet them. And Troy says to his father that they should debrief in private, but Vernon, the other surviving founder, says, nope, you need to say this in front of the you know whole community. No secrets here. So Troy starts to relay the story of a walker's attack and um, the crow brain guy. And he tries for diplomatic, but uh, Vernon's son Mike is significantly more freaked out and kind of starts yelling the old, uh, if we stay here, we're all going to die mantra, which is always helpful for camp morale. And we roll the opening credits. So, immediate aftermath of, of shit that went down last episode. So that's always good, um, and kind of what we would expect to happen. I would think. Thoughts? Yeah. I shall continue. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really one of those exciting openings. Right, it's just a no, necessary just exposition, picking, basically. Pretty much picking yeah. right where we left off. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Hit the ground running. I'm always for that, definitely. Just later at the camp, uh, Jeremiah is tearing Troy a new one a bit, and Troy wants to preemptively attack. And Maddie sticks up for him a bit, um, and Maddie asks if they uh, did steal Walker's land, and Otto kind of gives her the, oh, every land was someone else's at one point, kind of deflective you know, speech. And then he kind of basically says, them engines are just a bunch of drunk welfare bums. Yeah. So we're starting to see. And that was before the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're starting to see where Otto's mindset is as far as some people. Not that we didn't figure that out for his kind of shooty at brown people ways. Yeah. Uh, And he tells Maddie he can feel her palpable liberal judgment on him, which I thought was actually a great line, that, that little... Sequence. You know, I'm just a little curious if I was to walk in that camp, didn't speak any Spanish whatsoever, if he'd know I was Mexican. I don't know. You are. You're actually, you I would know. just like to get in his bed, rub all, rub all over his pillow, <laughs> wrap myself up in his blanket, you know, sit on his toilet, brush my teeth with his toothbrush, you know, just go to town and then if he pissed me off, say... Pendejo, you know, Spanish, you know, kind of freaking the fuck out. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for Team Beth infiltrating the camp. Absolutely, right? Until until the toothbrush part. What's that? Until the toothbrush part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, It reminds me of something from years and years ago. My, uh, my parents they lived in Turkey for a number of years. 
as my father managed teaching the, the Turks how to build spare parts for F-16s. Mm-hmm. And they would travel across the countryside, you know, any free time they got because it was a beautiful country. And you get to every little town and there's always a chai house. Now, a chai house, there's a, it's a tea house, basically. Yeah. And it's only men because women are supposed to be out working in the fields. Oh. And one one guy out of the several guys gets stuck. You know, he's he gets the short straw. He has to stay out there and watch the women and make sure they're they're hard at work, while the rest of the guys go to the chai house and they play uh, backgammon, credit, cabbage, whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. And my parents came into town, and my mom says, "Oh, I want to get a, I want to get a drink." And so they walk into the chai house, and so here's this white blonde haired woman walking into a Turkish men's tea house <laughs> and it's just like you know scratched a needle across the record everybody stops and looks and um you know they they don't know what to make of things but my dad my mother they also had this guy with him marat who was like uh like a valet or whatever he was taking care of him making sure nothing bad happened to him cool and uh you know basically he treated out people in there made sure they got her something to drink and everything from what we heard after that, within days, women started going into the tea house themselves, okay. other women. Nice. they never gone in there before. It just started things rolling from there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's just like this kind of mentality, you know, this, you know, women can't do this or this race can't do that or whatever. You, you just got to get somebody through the door. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, th- this show's never had a problem with that, definitely. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no right? kidding. But, but I always thought that was funny, and I, I wanted to share that. That was one of those things. Exactly. But, yeah, I, yeah. I suspect that was a lot safer for her to do back then than it is now. Now things are not really sketchy. Not, no. not really. It, would, it, it was just as dangerous back then. Uh, in the times that I had gone there, the several places that we went to, uh, with regularity, uh, the I mean, we would we could hang out. We had the privileges to hang out at the officers' club and then the yeah. NCOs' club, uh, the embassies and the different uh, places that uh, the uh, high price hotels and stuff like that, and then the McDonald's that they had in Istanbul. And every one of those places got blown up at one point or another. Yeah, ouch, yeah. When I was there or after I had left or whatever, I, it was happening. You know, even then, it just yeah. wasn't broadcast out as yeah, much. Right. Yeah. This was late 80s, 87, 89. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm for that project, definitely, Beth. And you know, <laughs> if I may say so without, you know, insulting your husband getting pissed at me, you know, I'm sure any man who's ever heard your voice or seen your face would wish that you were all over his pillow. <laughs> oh, that's so kind. Thank you. I win. I win. <laughs> yeah, you do, so. I win. You got yourself a good one, as they say. Uh, anyway, where were we? Two, 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 two. Yeah, Otto being a racist asshole. Beth saving the day and infiltrating the place. I want to see that. Jake is trying to press for diplomacy, of course, and he finds that, well, we find out that he fought Mr. Walker in court, lawyer to lawyer, at one point over the land rights. Uh, Jerry, Jeremiah, is clearly getting frustrated and tells his boys to tell the people whatever they, you know, he can to placate them, that they have guns, they have walls and wherewithal to ride this out and that they will be protected. you got to make them believe they'll be safe. Nick and Alicia help their mom to their room and work on healing her feet, which are uh, looking so much like hamburger that the only remark that Nick has is basically, damn, mom. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> was it me or did their feet heal up real quick? 
Oh sure, you know. Well, it's, t- it's TV healing. Yeah, yeah, TV healing exactly, which is the same force of the universe that keeps TV gasoline alive. So yeah, it's like <laughs> like, like the way the way, Tra- the way Travis's feet had healed up last season, right? Right. And, oh, and, and that did him. They're it, all it, yeah able to run. Make his ass bulletproof, did it? <laughs> what were you saying, Mike? Now, if uh, if not for the magic TV feet healing, uh, she'd have to limp for the rest of the series. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. They, they could have played it up a little bit more, considering how how effectively they staggered in. They look like a group of walkers coming towards the camp. Yeah, she's staggered around for two more scenes. Good. Yeah. It's, it's uh all right. Alicia then comes to talk to Jake, who is uh, taking in some shooting practice as well, and he's worried about Dad. Everyone's worried about their parents in this one. Oh, Nick also tells the mom about Luciana leaving finally, and he seems he seems unworried. She's like, she's strong, and Maddie remarks, so are you, son, so are you. Jake is worried about his dad, and, and the crow brain guy was apparently also one of the founders, uh, leaving only Jeremiah and Vernon uh, left. Uh, Alicia gets some gun instruction from Jake that made my mind go to the Ripley-Hicks scene in Aliens, because I just <laughs> recently watched Aliens again. And that's Love how, my, that movie. how my brain works. So that was, I, I have expected the whole exchange of, you know, like, oh, I don't know if you want to learn about that. <laughs> Come on, can I say it just once before you continue? Please. Get away from her, you bitch! There you go. You, you <laughs> okay, just, I'm, I'm good. Okay, yeah. let's go. You just saved me <laughs> having to break some copyright laws. Thank you. Uh, Alicia's trying to convince Jake, of course, that he should probably be leading the camp. She's kind of behind Team Jake to step up and try to take over things. And uh, Gretchen comes in to talk to Maddie. Um, she's a, our Bible study girl. Um, she states that her dad, Vernon, and her whole family are, are very scared, and she's scared that he's scared because he's a founder and he's not scared of anything. It seems yeah. like he's scared of everything. Yeah, well, yeah, but he, he was there in the beginning, and he fought the walkers. It can't be that. So he just doesn't think Jeremiah's got his shit together. So he doesn't think they're safe, and, and they all want to leave. But Maddie tries to reassure her that this is the best place to be, and Gretchen says that uh, Dad heard of a colony in Colorado that he means to seek out. So marking that in the mental notebook to see if they go anywhere. All right, one. the colony in Colorado, where are they? They're Mexico America body. They are they are at the top of uh, they're near the top of uh, any any elevated, you know, a hill, mountain, whatever. That's the, that's the thing. What we've been talking about before. The walkers aren't going to be able to walk up the hills or the mountains or want anything. So right. when you're talking a place like or Denver, which is a mile down. high above <laughs> sea level. Yeah. You're yeah. talking, you know, a, a place where it's going to be easier to get away from the walkers than anywhere else. Yeah, you just have to deal with the ones that are already there. And yeah, indigenous you kill walkers. them all off. Yeah, indigenous walkers, yeah. yeah. The, the first walkers. The snow walkers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they'll also be considerably slower because they'll be icing up a bit. So that right. yeah, Colorado's, you know, place to go in this particular situation. So the people on the other side should have just jetted right up here to upstate New York. Fuck staying in Atlanta and shit. You know, you're near swamps and low territory. And no, come up here in the hills, boys. <laughs> Those zombies won't, won't last in New York winter. No, hell no. <laughs> they won't be going anywhere any quicker, that's for certain. You know, just six feet of snow in Buffalo. They're, yeah, they're not going to be that much of a threat. Yeah, but in Buffalo, there's worse things to worry about than zombies. Well, yeah, six feet of snow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know. 
sometimes the enemy of my enemy is my friend, uh, or something like that. All right. <laughs> so Jeremiah is eyeing his old friend the bottle, sitting at his desk and contemplating a drink, and suddenly we hear howls of coyotes or wolves or some kind of barely not, you know, stereotypical Native American sounds going on. Because I don't remember them having an abundance of coyotes lying around, but... It added to the ambiance, right? I don't know. Am I it wrong? did. <laughs> Am I no. wrong in thinking that one? That, that was just right. a little weird. And suddenly fires spring up all around the hills surrounding the camp. But uh, no attack comes, and uh, the fires are a bit clearly kind of just a shatter morale. And Jeremiah still doesn't see that that's a threat at all. He's like, they don't have the numbers, they don't have the guns, this proves it, blah, 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 head in the sand. Basically he's saying uh, they, if they had the guns, they wouldn't be fucking around with fires. Right, but he uh, clearly I think Walker might have uh, read a little more Sun Tzu than, than Otto has, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you if you could scare them away without firing a shot, mm-hmm. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, they already clearly know some are leaving, so that's the way I'd do it. Um, now, do you think that if you were any of the people that were packing up to go, that Madison being so new, that anything she would say would change your mind? No, and I think I think Maddie's got kind of a an arrogance about things that may prove to be her undoing in a lot of things. You know, she's always yeah kind of made these questionable decisions, like Rick, and kind of lucked her way out of them a lot of times. Uh, or had good enough people near her to save her ass. Right. Uh, well, Madison has this arrogance of, we have been out there, you have not. And, yeah, uh, see, that works with Rick's group, but it doesn't work with this group yet. It's been like two months. We did get some kind of confirmation of, like, time. I don't know if it was this one or the next one. But Otto says something about, you know, oh, you mean two months ago before the apocalypse? So we're kind of getting an idea of time. Which is right. kind of what we figured out it was anyway, because yeah. we're, we're fucking smart like that. And so, yeah, I, I think that, uh, yeah, she's, she she plays, I actually say it in this recap later, that she plays that card way too much. She's mouse writing checks that her, her body ain't cashed yet. You know? Exactly. But Nick is being very helpful around the camp, going to the pantry uh, for some lumber, presumably for his building project. And Troy stops him and asks about Luciana and, and kind of a little bro off, and, and Nick gets a little pissed. Uh, couple of residents are trying to leave with the supplies that they brought with him and Troy gives them some serious shit about it but they tell him his father approved it and he lets it go briefly Maddie comes in to speak to Jeremiah who is having a migraine slash maybe hangover um, or both yeah, or both Vernon comes to talk and, and wants to do it in private but Otto tells him that yeah, whatever you got to say you can say in front of Maddie he expresses his desire to leave. Uh, Otto accuses of him of being too hasty, but Vernon says, look, dude, family must come first, and don't think you're going to take care of me anymore. And Maddie tells Otto that he needs to give him a reason to stay, and Jeremiah kind of has a point when he says, you know, what more can I offer? I've got guns and walls and food. And, like, if you don't want to stay with that, then <laughs> what more? Oh. oh, yeah, exactly. How can I sweeten the pot any more of that? I completely actually agreed with Jeremiah on this on this point. It's like, no, if they want to go, you know, they, they should go. If they, they don't want the security this brings, then they're idiots. And they are being idiots. They know there's an armed force out there. They think it's overwhelming enough to take the camp, but they're going to run right into it. Like, not a great point. Well, play. you know, it's typical fear. People do stupid things when they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, especially when you know you you can't discount the, the said the the psychological warfare that they're playing too. 
Grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. And he knows about Colorado. You just have to get through the bad people to get to Colorado. That's, that's the trick. So Troy runs after them and threatens to shoot the gatekeeper if he even opens the door of the gate for him. He confronts his friend Mike. Jake comes and tries to talk him down and comes to a little bit of a, a brother fight. And Jeremiah shows up and breaks up the fight by punching Troy. And the gate is open. Vernon is uh, allowed to leave with his family. Gretchen waves a sad goodbye to her smoking buddy Alicia. And I'm, I'm wondering. Do you think she took Jeff with her? I, I was just going to say, who will tend to Jeff now? I mean, he's he's sucked down in that that basement, just you know, g- gasping away in his cage, and uh, no no one to blow bong hits in his face anymore. So we're sorry, Jeff. Just the way the the head rolls. Occasionally, <laughs> I mean, so far Jeff is my favorite guest star. Yeah, <laughs> great, great cameo. You know, it's hard not to like Jeff. It's, it's, his circumstances aren't his fault, and he's trying to make the best of it. And he doesn't say stupid stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe after a couple hits, he might he might get a little more mellow, and some you know, zombie <laughs> stoner wisdom might come out. I think that we can all agree that Jeff gives the best head on TV. Jeff gives the best head on TV, sure. Um, I have a bad feeling that someone in the camp probably tested that theory somewhere along the line. And, uh, you know, you know. It's the way I would have wrote it. Anyway, send your hate letters to WeeklyHeroics at Yahoo.com. Lady Macbeth, I, I mean Maddie, comes to talk to Troy. <laughs> Troy is, they, they stole this one right from the bard, I'm telling you guys. Troy is still upset about Mike. He, he's the one that never quit on him, even when he got pulled from school and everyone else realized he was a little psycho. Uh, so Maddie tells him to make sure no one else leaves and, and that she'll help him. She's doing a bang-up job of diplomacy so far. Troy gives in actually, uh, he gives an actually very inspiring speech to his troops in a kind of, uh, we have to become fascist to save everyone kind of way, but, but it's actually a very well written speech. I thought the writers yeah. really, really nailed, um, that one. And, and you can see he went from being the commander of fear to the commander of respect right in that moment. And then Maddie's back there just being like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I got him. <laughs> I little, did that. My little private army that. right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. And she's just salivating that her pet psycho is, like, fully under her thumb now, and, and she has a little army of troops along with it. Lady Maddie Beth, I'm telling you. Nick shows up to his house and finds a very drunk Jeremiah, and he offers Nick a drink, but he says, I'm high on life, dude. I don't need your uh, alcohol. <laughs> but if you got a couple oxys, I, I might consider it. <laughs> <laughs> Nick tries to keep him positive and get him to stop. I'm sorry, Nick. I, you know, it's your struggle, man. I'm with you. Um, I don't you gotta, I, you gotta but, wonder just how much whiskey he had put away for the apocalypse. I mean, oh yeah, there's got. Well, you don't think there were just guns down there, did you? No, you know the guns are right next to the whiskey. It's good. not even in the same basement that we saw that had all the other stuff stocked. Probably in there. not. No. Yeah, it's, it's got there. his own private reserve. Probably got a distillery going somewhere. If he's smart. No, no, no. He's got a private reserve, and he's got Mila Kunis blocked up somewhere in a cage, <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> just, when, why you wouldn't know. you if you could? Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> just to brew whiskey. No hate letters. To weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. Yeah. <laughs> then Nick tries to keep him positive and get him to stop drinking and, and sleep it off, man. And Otto goes on about how the founders conceived the movement, you know, basically right on the spot they're sitting in. 
and then he tips over an anger uh, table in anger and, and grabs Nick's gun and points it at the ground, firing several times into the floorboards. And he apologizes to Nick and then gives his gun. Oh, your your house, your gun. I should not have shot your gun in your house. And he goes and left holes in your floor. Yeah, <laughs> which Chekhov's holes. He he mumbles something about there being blood in the earth. Um, Maddie is waiting up for Alicia, who's coming back from Bible study with Jake. Uh, Maddie does the mom birth control talk, or attempts to, but Alicia assures her that there's birth control in the pantry. Uh, you know, you would want that too. She admits that she kind of likes Jake, but she's also kind of keeping in mind how important Jake is to, to have under her thumb. So she's playing a little Lady Macbeth too, and, and using her wiles a little bit. And Maddie asks her, "Is like, is that, is it just that, or do you like them?" She's like, well, it's both, and does there have to be an order to it, you know? So, uh, yeah, Alicia's a survivor, too. Um, yes, but it makes sense that the pretty people of the apocalypse would find each other. Right. I just I question how many pretty people would be left in the apocalypse. <laughs> I like to think us ugly people are a little more hardy stock sometimes. <laughs> Speaking just for myself, y'all are beautiful. <laughs> Nick shows, uh, oh yeah, hungover Jeremiah comes to talk to Nick, who, who scored him some fresh coffee, but Otto doesn't want it. And Nick shows his streetwise friend powers. I thought this was great when Otto says, about last night. And he says, oh, I was with my mom and Alicia. Why, did I miss something? Yeah. Nick <laughs> knows, man, snitches get stitches. Uh, <laughs> so he's, he's doing the, the attic bro thing there, you know, the attic code bro code. The, they spot a horse by one of the fences and realize it's, that it's Vernon's and Nick is sent to get his mother. And a hasty search party with Nick, Maddie, and Jeremiah is made and they go looking for Vernon's family who Otto knows that, you know, is already convinced that they're dead but wants to figure out how they got that way. Jake is preparing to go try to talk some sense into Walker and Alicia is telling him it's a suicide mission that there are no courts anymore to make things be civil and to protect them and despite her pleadings, uh, Jake sets off. Maddie and the crew find the RV and the whole family slaughtered and already turned, or some of them at least, into, into walkers and start putting them down. In the back, they find young Gretchen feeding on another horse, which is pretty nasty. And Maddie tries to put her down but hesitates, so Nick steps up and does it. So they load up the bodies to bring back and bury, presumably, Nick says Otto, or Nick Gus. Uh, says Otto and him thinks it was Troy. Maddie refuses to believe it or admit that she believes it, at least. And Nick tries to point out the reality of the situation. Like, look, Walker would have, you know, stolen everything here. You know, nobody took any supplies or anything. This was just a murder. Oh, I think she believes it. I think she's just oh, yeah. playing her angle. She even admits it later, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, but Nick wasn't happy. Uh, Otto's pretty convinced of Troy's guilt, too, but Lady Maddie Bath is... Uh, <laughs> standing by her would-be king. They arrive back at the camp with the bodies. The rest of the camp is noticeably horrified, and Maddie gives a speech designed to rally the troops, which I don't know why the hell she's giving this speech, against Walker's people, and she, she plays the whole, oh, you don't know what it's like out there. And they're probably all like, yeah, we actually kind of do. And she looks to Otto, who shoots her back at kind of a glance that just says, yeah, go with it, girl. And she convinces them that Walker was responsible for, for the carnage and killing Vernon. And again, as I said, they she plays the old, you know, you have to stay in here to be safe. Well, it, it, honestly, it doesn't matter who killed them. Well, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot more to fear out there than just Walker. 
Well, yeah, so, but it's, it's, so the thing is, do they want to? You know, nobody wants to let the camp know that there's fear inside too, with Psycho Troy running around. Well, no, because he's he's basically he's getting a little woody sitting there listening to his queen do the uh, we need to be a authoritarian speech, and we need to protect you for your own good. Alicia immediately starts packing to go after Jake, uh, you know, because that wouldn't be a suicide mission. Maddie speaks to Nick, who asks her how she can tell a lie like that and still sleep at night, because he knows it was Troy, and he knows she knows it was Troy. And uh, he tells her that she should have told him, and even though he wouldn't have liked it, uh, he would have backed her, and he's going to back her now. And by the fence, Maddie talks to Troy, who admits his murdery ways, and she basically tells him, yeah, I know, just try not to do it anymore. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what it kind of comes down to. Don't lose control anymore. You being a psycho is good, as long as we can harness it. And as long as we get Eamon in the right place. Exactly. She's like, you have the loyalty of your men now, and we just need to kick everyone's ass, basically. So... She tells him, there's a fight coming, and you have to save us, honey. Can you do that? Yes, ma'am, I can. And, you know, we roll end credits. Lady Maddie Beth. Hmm. <laughs> Coming soon to some das- disastrous decisions near you. Probably. Gesundheit. Bless you. Yikes. Sorry, surprise sneeze. That's all right. Snuck, snuck right up on me. It happens. It's like, you know, the fry I choked on last night. It was not pleasant. Ouch. <laughs> That wasn't really a surprise, because I, I knew how fast I was shoving it in my face. So, anywho, that was the episode. You guys talk now. Well, okay, so, I, you know, the, the the one thing that I guess bugged me is how Alicia is still playing the angry teenager who's jumping her mother in the zombie apocalypse because she's making hard decisions. That always bugs me. Oh no, man! I think I gotta disagree with you. I mean, she's she's. I think she's tough, but is still trying to keep the moral center a bit, and we see even more of it next episode. But yeah, I, I, I even live blog. Well, you tell her, Alicia. You know, well, probably next episode. But right. I'm I'm all for people calling out Maddie on her questionably gray moral ways. I mean, even. There's certain times you got to be in the moral gray, but I think uh, Maddie goes there preemptively. Um, a little, a little Maddie has much. found a home there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's her first her first uh, call instead of well, you know, her, bringing I mean, her, her last resort. At this her point. first duty, her first duty above and beyond anything else, is to to find and foster an environment that's going to protect her children. That's that's Nick, her goal Nick there specifically. Um, Let's be real. So yeah, far, she's more been, Yeah, so far it's been Nick specifically. Uh, so I I don't know. Um, I even question, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe given some things we may or may not learn soon, that Maddie's survival instinct is, is more centered around herself surviving than anyone else, which is not, that's understandable, absolutely. But um, I guess I'm not giving her enough credit for... Doing the right things for her kids when she's done several things several times for that have could have directly destroyed her kids. Yeah, she doesn't doesn't think rationally enough to be a great protector yet. So I guess it's good she has an army of psychos to do that for her now. <laughs> well, yeah. still, still in all this, do you find it a little 
odd that, you know, everywhere she goes, she's able to get herself into a position of, of, uh, I don't want to say power, but she, you know, she's she gets there. the ear of the authority. Yeah. She's, she's, yeah, she's whispering in the ear of authority, you know, as soon as she gets there, it's like, she's, she's a kingmaker almost. Well, yeah. Well, that's why do you think I keep calling her lady Macbeth? Um, yeah. It's, Sometimes it's just hard. I agree with your assessment. I, it's obvious, but I, I sometimes have a hard. It's the one main thing I still have a problem with the writing on this show. I think is how powerful they make Maddie, or how lucky maybe when she's uh, said. I think she should have been dead about a season ago <laughs> for various reasons. Um, so I and in this case in particular, I would have bought it more if it had stayed her and Jeremiah. You know, it started looking like early on that she was going to get in his ear, and I appreciate that they kind of shuffled up this dynamic, and it was Nick that was actually getting to him. But it started out like with her and him, and that I could buy a lot more than this weird milf mommy thing issue. <laughs> well, it kind of started out with her and Troy before they even got to the camp. I mean, maybe she's she's just recognized. I guess that's what we're meant to believe is she just recognized that you know Troy is the stronger piece on the chessboard right now, and that that's who she should get behind if she wants to have to make the hard decisions. I, as I said, I just think that maybe she goes for the hard decisions too quickly, as opposed to seeing what the middle ground might be. Well, I think she saw Troy as something she could. You something she could control more than she could Jeremiah or anyone else. Probably, yeah, because he he did make his his disdain of powerful women pretty pretty evident from pretty early on. Well, what's what's our female perspective of of Maddie like as a general character and or her decision making? She really she really has made some really stupid decisions, and then on top of everything else, everything that she. Um, is making decisions on how she's trying to have Troy kind of like, you know, her puppy dog in a way. Yeah. I wonder when that's going to come back to bite her in the ass. That, that's my assessment. That's my main prediction is that her she backed the wrong horse with Troy and it's going to might end up in her removal. I don't know if they'll do that. Uh, you, you know what? I don't. I don't think that's that's the case here because I, I I look at what's happening, and if she was to sit there and say back Jake, all right, there if they got into a situation where it had to be down between people, she's going to sit there and really think about it for a long time, because Jake is at least as he's appeared to have been so far a nice guy. With Troy, there's no doubt what what choice you're going to make every time. You're going to cap him so you can get keep going. That's why you back him now because he's more easily manipulated. Yeah, I, yeah. She I, can't do this, to Jake. Right. Right. I mean, but Alicia could at this point. She could probably. Well, she couldn't keep him from going to talk to Walker, but that could be because of these other divisions. I, I think I called it earlier in this season of our podcast that this this is going to be the season. Walking Dead over there on the other side of the country is uh, is about communities being built and the fight to, you know, build a future. And this one's about people that kind of already thought they had a future and things are going to start crumbling from within. So I think we're seeing a lot of that. But I'm still not sure that she's 
she's back in the right horse. Well, you know. well, I've mentioned this before. We're at a point in the timeline where the world is still becoming. Yeah. Yeah. By the where they are, the Walking Dead, the world is kind of already settled into what it is. And we're seeing a lot of the the you know we're seeing like more evident power players now because it is right. just the beginning. So it's the people that realize how bad shit's going to get and are vying for resources and stuff. And I'm pretty sure the dam will come back into prominent view next you know next half of the season it'd be foolish for them not to yeah i would think so as well only because of how water is such a strong commodity now yeah you know for sure it, it, there's got to be some sort of a uh, way that's going to tie into to the next half of the season oh yeah definitely that's what i really like about this this show is that they're actually addressing things like resource management and you know we don't have a finite supply of all this stuff and people need this stuff to live so that's where the conflict's going to center around over on The Walking Dead they've kind of almost except for the odd we have to trade murdery ways for food subplot they've kind of given up on any pretense of reality as far as conserving things you know uh, bullets or, or gas or anything. They just shoot what they want and drive well, they, what they want. And, they kind of play lip service to scavenging on the other show and yeah, but it happens off screen. We're, we're not seeing any scenes of you know whole communities of people just literally dying of thirst in a couple of days and stuff. And, you know, not that that wouldn't cheer up the show some, but... Um, <laughs> But truly, how how long do you think it would take for someone to secure a dam and make it like they have in the beginning of the season where it's all run by gangsters, the mafia, or whoever? I mean, they they seem to have this shit down yeah, well, <laughs> so <I'm>... quickly. <laughs> It's well, just like okay, well, we'll take care of. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and get in another territory and just handle it. Well, I mean, the Mexican gangsters and stuff would be, you know, probably some of the best equipped people to to survive early on. They they would be the ones taking the. Uh, you know, the Mexican army is going to be off fighting walkers in large cities, so these guys are going to move in on the resources and and take them over. You know, or pretend to offer their services to the government and be like, yeah, we'll protect this for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Since they seem to work hand in hand in Mexico, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, and in our country too, uh, more often than not, it seems. True. <laughs> yeah, fully. Uh, still not a wasted episode in this season, man. Um, just they keep rolling on and, and throwing new stuff at us. And... Yeah. Hey, uh, have you guys discussed the um, Las Vegas? Fear of the Walking Dead survival that is going to be on the Fremont Street experience? No, I, I just vaguely saw a headline about it today that Maggie from was going to go try it out or something, I thought. But, you know, this is like a, a, like a Disney-type ride, right? Or you... Well, I, I mean, it's one of those, like the Star Trek experience yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. just a... a and, and But they're actually labeling it as a Fear the Walking Dead haunted attraction. Hmm, so... Mm-hmm. So not based in, in the Rickverse, then. That that would be intriguing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, like, Walking Dead news, though, I should pull this up, because we should give props to uh, a stuntman over on the other show. Was in a oh, yeah. Accident yeah. And then died, sadly. 
and we should pay tribute to his name at least on this show because he's one of the guys that's doing the hard work uh, entertaining us and there could be some very bad repercussions for the show off of this and if there's negligence there definitely should be because um, these, these stunt people usually have this shit locked down and accidents very rarely happen but they do uh, his name was John Berniker um, and he's just done tons of stuff that everyone would have seen I uh, just did recent stunts for Black Panther, Logan Hunger Games, Looper uh, and he's been with Walking Dead for a while I believe but yeah, it was. I've been following it for a couple of days and said he's been basically in a vegetative state for a couple of days and they've been right. trying to rally like his girlfriend who's also a stunt person was trying to rally, you know Walking Dead fans that were also neurologists and like, please come save my husband and it was, oh, it was just fucking heartbreaking. But that's the danger of the job, I guess, and they know it when they take it, but man, it still sucks when it happens. Yeah. No kidding. Because when it comes down to it, it was all for just making some silly fucking TV show and that's that's the biggest tragedy there is about it, you know? Well, you know, I mean, we got to, as far as it being a TV show, it's a TV show that doesn't get respect. Because here we are, the, the Emmy nominations came out and neither The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead got a single nomination in any category, as far as I can tell. Well, I'm more pissed about Legion not getting it, because that was some exceptional acting and producing. And uh, that that deserved it more than either of these, but there's definitely performances on both of these shows that should warrant something, or at least some technical stuff. Walking Dead, uh, outstanding prosthetic makeup for a series, limited series, movie or special, Walking Dead, the day will come when you won't be. Uh, got the nomination for that. And let's see if I got anything else here. Fear the Walking Dead got Outstanding Actress in a Short Form Comedy or Drama Series. Kelsey Scott as Sierra. And I have to assume that's one of those webisodes. Yeah, that's probably the one they did for Fear the Walking Dead, actually. Yeah. I've seen a couple of them, but I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, Fear the Walking Dead Passages. And... Let's see where else. Now, have y'all ever watched all the episodes? Webisodes? No, I, I, I think I, I watched all of the first one with the plane that took yeah. eighteen episodes to fill thirty seconds of freaking airtime. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't really been going out of my way to, to check them out. Yeah, yeah, I haven't either. Apparently, well, I don't know if they're winning enemy, you know, getting nominated because not many people do that kind of thing, or they're really good. But yeah, I'll check them all well, out eventually. Here's, probably here's the actual. Yeah. Here's the actual nominations uh, for outstanding short form comedy or drama series: Brown Girls, Fear the Walking Dead, Passage. That that seems to have right. gotten gotten some uh, kudos. Hack into Broad Street out of Comedy Central. Los Pollos Hermanos Employee Training. Oh, I see. On, on AMC, yeah, Bacon and Sons. And then Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot. And that's yeah. the yo-yo stuff, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we were talking about last night on Preacher. Yeah. yeah. And let's see what else I got here. Uh, no, that's Deadliest Catch. Okay, well, that was it. I haven't watched but, the yo-yo stuff either. No. Uh, me either. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to sit there and watch it on TV, but whenever I get in front of the computer, it's the last thing I'm thinking about looking at them. You know, I'm always, yeah, I, you know, I sit there and look for stuff to. Yeah, that's good. It just never sometime. enters my mind, you know. Yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, because I like to have like noise going on while I'm sitting there you know, working on one thing or another. And so I don't necessarily want something that's going to 
take my entire concentration. Yeah, right. Wait, but uh, plus, I mean, I, if I read a headline that says this is going to directly affect the plot of the show, yeah, I'll go watch it. But it, they never do, so who cares? Now, <laughs> uh, the the two questions I have are: A, is Luciana coming back? Uh, she shows to be on the credits list for the several episodes in the future, but I don't know if that's just a, a guess because you know the IMDb is often wrong in that way. Right. Well, I don't know. Well, you have to wait till the next two episodes to see if she's back. This. Time. I don't know. She kind of disappeared very quietly. <laughs> Yeah, almost, yeah. I, I can't believe that that's just it for her, that she's just exited the show or something. But So, yeah, we'll we'll see her again one way or another, I'm sure. Um, actress just needed a few weeks off or something. Who knows? But, I mean, they rarely just, well, with the possible except, exception of Heath, they never just m- disappear somebody. <laughs> well, uh, the girl Corey from the first is season. unemployed, so he can come back now. What, what about what about the the Asian girl from the first season, the one that got cut free and then came back and well, was on yeah. the, I mean, the well, bad we guy boat? And then, I'm glad to you believe know. that she went off and was continued to be a pirate on her own or something. But she should get her own series. You know, yeah, I mean, she it, was great. She they, she, they, she made an interesting character all the way from the webisode she did. Yeah. To to there, so you know. Yeah, it was underutilized, but. It but that, sure that's, was. That's the danger of peripheral characters because you you write them and you know hope that you get to use them when you want, but then you don't get to use them enough to keep the actor around. So sometimes right. you just say, "Well, fuck it." Hopefully, no one will remember this. Or well, that we may be we may be seeing some Shatner politics going on. <laughs> and what I what I mean by that is back in the day when uh, when Shatner and Nimoy were doing the original Star Trek, there was a lot of discussion about. Who was the star of the show? Was it Kirk or was it Spock? Right. And so they both go walk into uh, the guys, the not not Roddenberry, but the actual producer. And they said, "Who's who's the star of the show?" Yeah. And the guy's sister looks at him both for a second. Shatner, Shatner, it's William Shatner. He's the he's the star. And that that right there charted that course. Yeah. And you can you can you know from the first season on that Nick was. The that that kind of focused character that seemed to be getting everybody's attention. Yeah, and you um, wonder they, if there's discussion there. You know, the, does does he want someone that's prettier than him? You know, <laughs> getting screen time like that. Right. Hopefully, the you know, I hopefully the producers don't think about that shit too much. And if a no. you know an actor like Nick Delane or is it Nick Delane or Frank Frank, Frank, Frank Delane? That's right. You know, ain't exactly a household name at this point, so I don't think he's ready to be dictating terms, and this is still a young show, so I don't think there's that much of that stuff going on. I did read a couple very unsourced rumors that, you know, Cliff Curtis might have actually exited for reasons other than just he was getting hired on, you know, Avatar sequels, that he wasn't getting along with a couple people or something, or... I don't know, and you could almost... I said I never really bought chemistry between him and Maddie, so maybe him and Kim Dickens, you know, got on. on they had on no something. chemistry. No, none. And it's like, yeah, it, it was almost tension you could feel, and I'm wondering if it wasn't real shit coming through and someone recognized it, but hmm. I don't know, you know. Well, they always separated them. Yeah, clearly, yeah. They did, didn't did do well in scenes together. They really didn't, and I think, yeah, the maybe writers picked up on that, and like, look, and maybe Kim was even cheaper because Cliff's done some movies and shit. Who knows? And, you know, kind of without Chris around, Travis is just kind of floating, was just kind of floating. 
Oh yeah, but uh, but I thought they're kind of trying to build towards. It's like, all right, yep, my my whole other family is gone now. I can focus on my new family. But let's take solace that he got his moment. Yeah, you know, yeah. if if they had given him that moment a season before, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we'd have had a different show. No, I, I think we needed the the cliff, you know, from wimp to to warrior character arc. You know, from uh, kind of over-optimistic to, uh, fuck it, I'm about to fight a dozen zombies. Might as well go out like a man. Um, that's right. Yeah, so, I don't that's, know. That's the other thing. Do you kind of get the feeling that the zombies over on this side are weak sauce compared to the zombies in, in you know, the East East Coast? What in the world makes you say that? No, I don't think so. I think they're portrayed as stronger. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, mean, they're still, I, I, I think they're I know doing they're a fresher, good job. Yeah, well, I but, think they're doing a good job of showing that they still have musculature and stuff. I think there's been some really good. Well, yeah, there struggles. was there was the, the one pulling the guy through the wall, and, yeah. and we were talking about the strength you know required to do that. And it's very, yeah, you know they 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 do seem to be stronger. But I mean, it was. And what I'm saying by weak sauce is when when Travis had his Maori battle fest. Yeah. You know it. it you know, they never got into a position to really bite him. It was still more realistic than fucking Tyrese there wandering into, two, you know, a, a closely knit herd of like two dozen of them and coming out unscathed. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was some bullshit right there. Well, I, I will say, speak to Brian's <laughs> point, I think it was last season. In there the was, comics and the show. There was no way that Strand and Maddie should have been able to get out of that hotel bar as drunk as they were. No, yeah. no. Well, that I could almost buy if they would like stayed. Yeah, they they would have had to stay behind the bar and use it as a barrier and just keep getting them in the head as quickly as possible. But yeah, there've been some the the belief factor's definitely gone up this season too. They haven't pulled quite as much, you know. And, and you know that that was a shit <laughs> yet, but that was a prop cinder block he was using there because I don't know if you've ever lifted up a cinder block like that and tried to swing it around. You're going to be sitting there nursing muscles for days. Yeah, but not with Maori adrenaline strength going. <laughs> right. Yeah. Adrenaline puts off pain for a while. Luckily, I've, I've had to experience. Boy, no kidding. A As times am I. Unfortunate situations. So, uh, yeah. God bless adrenaline. No uh, kidding. <laughs> fight or flight, baby. The problem Your is, life. as soon as that adrenaline wore off, he should have been immobile on the floor. Yeah. 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 Curled up in a little uh, dehydrated ball. Right. Well, he wasn't exactly standing up and doing his war chant. He wasn't. He was looking rough. Uh, <laughs> but it was all for naught anyway. Bang bang. Always sit on your helmet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have anything more about this episode? <laughs> no, I, you know, I think we're. I think we're ready to move on. But I know uh, we're I'm ready. Ready for that finale that's for sure yeah yeah um, obviously the finale will have aired by the time you get to hear this one and the finale show but we do appreciate you uh david pasquarella doesn't matter because you don't watch them so you, you have to wait for us ha 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 ha, ha. i'm getting to meet uh, david next tuesday actually he's he's, awesome. he's, he's coming up uh, yep coming up to the him and his wife i believe are going to see the beautiful niagara falls that is near me Niagara Falls. Yep. Slowly I turn, step <laughs> by step, inch I, by I inch. I really wanted to See, go there. My brain there. always goes to Superman too. Um, for some oh, reason. yeah. 
Three Stooges, sorry. No, hey, old school, baby. Right. (laughs) But yeah, so that's exciting. He's going to pop in, and uh, presumably the wife has allowed him an hour to have some lunch with a couple freaks. I don't know how he pulled that off, but... She's pulling that off again, huh? He's pulling that off again. Yeah. yeah. He pulled it off in Florida, too. Yeah, we should figure out where to take him. I don't know if we should... should Make him eat a, our, our signature garbage plate. If that may make that may lose us our one listener to the show. If I feed him a garbage plate, uh, <laughs> but it's kind of a localized food. Well, I'm sure we can do better than that. Yeah, my I, I'm waiting for the to see what the next trip my company sends me on. They sent me to Orlando last month, and you know Scott Gardner and I were going to meet, meet, but we never we never really could. Oh bummer! Nail it down, and that 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 bit. He had a lot going on at the time, though. And then uh, one of the trips we did before, they sent us up to uh, uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so you know that that put me in place where I could have gone to Red Bank, or I could have even gone into New York City, but we just didn't have enough time. Yeah. But uh, they're supposed to be sending us sometime in the future. I don't know exactly when. Probably to either St. Louis, where nobody is at except maybe J. David Weeder, yeah, or Pis- yeah, Piscataway, which is uh, New Jersey Pis- also. Oh, okay. Piscataway. It's, Pis- it's Piscataway. What? Piscataway. Piscataway. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's <laughs> it's a hop, skip, and a jump from Fairlawn, which is not too far from the New York border. All right. And so it's like okay, well we'll see what happens. But then again, New York is a pretty big place. We are. Yes. But then I come from one of the Some biggest call us an empire Texas. state. Yes. yes. I love New York. No, not really. But it's home. Anyway. <laughs> well, if you ever make it up to western New York, uh, we will be I happy would to love you. to visit for yeah. sure. It's a cool this city. Soon, though, I hope, you know, sooner rather than later. But uh, we'll just have to see how things go here at the home front. But I would yeah. love that. You know, we got to win the lottery or get a story published or, or, or something. Someone pick up I, one I, of our podcasts and pay us to do it. Hint, hint, anybody? <laughs> and and, and you, you, I don't know if you want to edit this out. I, You know, Chris Honeywell and I had talked a while back about putting together a documentary. And, you know, things for us have, have changed a lot here. So that it's really not a possibility for us. But if Chris still wanted to do it, I have no problem with him doing it. And we would need someone with your voice to narrate uh, the state of the comic book industry as it pertains to just the, the, the comic book shops brick-and-mortar stores, and then how it's it's being affected by the movies, and it is affecting the movies. I do and, have professional. you talking just an audio documentary, I take it? No, no, it'd be, it'd be a full film documentary, oh, a, right. a, a video documentary, you know, and, and it was just something that Chris and I were talking about, you know, it's something I wanted to do, and I thought it'd be great to do, and, and this is like right out of Preacher, travel the country, visit the the comic book shops all around the country as well as the other places where comic books are starting to get more exposure and then end the end this show at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Right. Be awesome. Yeah. And and you know I do have a professional show. video and editing and filming experience too, remember? So Yeah, that's but you, awesome. but you've got you've got the voice to to uh to narrate it and that's 
you know, oh, it's right, just, but you know, if you can put me in other roles, I can get more paychecks. So. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so pff, mama didn't raise no fool, man. I'll <laughs> multitask I'm, for more zeros. Fuck. Yeah. What I'm saying, what I'm saying here is that I, I wouldn't mind just sitting back and taking writer producer credit and letting you guys do the, uh, do the other bits. If you want to get involved. Well, we need to um, somehow marry that with our, our vast plan to do the across the country garage sale, where we just rent a huge, or at least a vehicle and some huge trailers, and literally eBay and garage sale across the nation. Which is, oh my gosh, that yeah, yeah, you get you that'll got, be epic. It's this not is, undoable at all. I know, but this sounds like <laughs> a, a movie starring Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or even Johnny Depp and uh, Benicio del Toro, more likely. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been in that movie a couple times, actually. Hunter S. Thompson esque. Yeah. That country, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do know you'd have to do uh, the renting since Honeywell lives like he's on the land. Right, yeah. It's, uh, any any liability will be on my credit card, absolutely. Yeah, I've already accepted that. We'll have to find an insurance policy for that shit. <laughs> I, I think we just need to go ahead and start a GoFundMe account or a Kickstarter account to pay for this. We should, man. I mean, we should I have mean, been running for one real. for the Gloatmobile since day one because people love fucking garage show gloat, but. Yes, I've gone through three cars now. <laughs> it's just saying. Someone needs to buy me GPS. some fucking brakes next time around. Actually, uh, that's the next thing. So, what are you driving now, anyway? Uh, well, cars keep getting smaller. I'm driving like a Pontiac G7. It's a two door with luckily a respectable trunk, but uh, but actually, thanks to my friend who's visiting, we're going out in a nice big ass SUV tomorrow. So. Excellent. Time to pick up a chair or two for the new place, too. That's another Fear the Walking Dead cast. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, for the big Jagundus mid-season finale with hopefully the whole band here. So I'm Scott. Thank you, Beth and Brian and Mike. And, Scott, uh, you're going to edit out the part where I told you where Jimmy Hoffa's body was at, right? Yeah, ideally, oh. yeah. Um, <laughs> we we'll try to eliminate all evidence from... But yeah, I, I, I promise nothing if you say it. <laughs> Be prepared to say it in the court of law is, is my motto because... Hey, you know, I'm, I just, I'm a human I just, editor. <laughs> I was just telling you what Chucky told me, okay? Chucky, well, we'll try to... We'll, we'll, we'll push all these... The, the blame on the Chucky if we possibly can. You can do a lot in post-production. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll, we'll see you soon. Bye. Yeah. Have fun. Bye. Adios. You've been listening to Fear the Walking Dead cast on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.